Right, if you would stand, uh, we'll continue with our song service. 2 Timothy 1, verse number 7 says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Brother Butler, it's good to see you. Would you open us in a word of prayer? Join us in singing hymn number 211, Whosoever Meets Me.
stand once again. We'll sing hymn number 175. It's just like his great love.
Yeah, thank you. you. May be seated.
you would stand once again, we'll sing hymn number 143, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine.
good to be in the Lord's house today and to have each one of you here with us. If you would take your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2. We've uh, started through this portion of scripture uh, several weeks now we've been on it. And uh, so we're going to do a little more work there probably this Sunday and the next and uh, make our way through it. Uh, It's been very rich and very rewarding. And trust it's been a blessing. Ask that you'd remember to pray for the Marinos. This is their first day uh, in California. They're at uh, North Hills. And so pray that God will bless them uh, in a great way as they have services there. And then uh, today we officially, uh, more than likely, I think we have the oldest youth director in Kansas. Uh, today, uh, my wife and I took over the young people, and there was a comment about youth. I can't remember what it was. That's part of getting old. You know, you forget things like that, but uh, it's good to work with our young people. We have great young people, and I'm excited about working with them for a couple of months, just a couple of months. Uh, we're we're really excited about it. My wife and I are, and uh, we love these kids, and we're so thankful that they're part of our church. Hopefully you remember to pray for every part of the church, amen? We need to pray for these young people as they grow. Uh, They'll be making all the major decisions between like now and the time they're 20-ish, 25 maybe, you know, what they're going to hopefully do for life and who they're going to marry if someone will have them and all those kind of things, important, important decisions. And we need to be praying for them and encourage them. Uh, that they might continue to walk with the Lord. Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to look at two verses today, verse number 9, verse number 10. If you found that and you can, stand with me in reverence to the reading of the Word of God. Verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. 
crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. I'm going to think about today, we have a captain of salvation. We have a captain of salvation. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for our time together today. I pray to the Lord that you would go before us, that you would open our hearts and our minds, make us receptive to your word. Lord, we do desire working of the Holy Spirit here in our midst and in our lives. Lord, we want to worship you. We want to bring praise to your name. I'm so thankful that you are the captain of our salvation. And God, just want to praise you for that and the price that was paid that we might be able to enjoy that. Lord, we pray that uh, you would be with those that are sick. We think of Brother Medlin today as he's there in the hospital. We ask that you would touch his body and lift him up, that he would soon be able to uh, be released. Others that are finding sicknesses and illnesses, others that have been in the hospital, Lord, we just lift them all before you. We ask that your will would be done on their behalf, and Lord, that uh, they might soon be feeling better and able to serve you again. Meet with us here this morning. And if there be one that doesn't know you as our Lord and Savior, Lord, today is our prayer that they would come to that saving knowledge of Jesus. We love you. We ask these things in your blessed most holy name. And to all the people said, Amen. You may be seated. First thing we're going to look at today is Jesus' death for every man. In Hebrews 2.9 we read, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. Jesus came to this earth taking on being man. His humanity was 100%. Just as much as he was God, he was 100% man. He came to this earth, he was born of a virgin, became man. And that is so important for our salvation. The Bible also talks here about the fact that he was made lower than the angels for the suffering of death. And so if you would, there'd be like three hierarchies. There's God, and then there's the angels in heaven that worship God and are regularly in his presence. Along that line also are the fallen angels, those that were uh, kicked out of heaven because of the rebellion against God. They are here on this earth. They are under beings. And so they're like the fourth layer, if you would. So we have God, we have angels, and then we have man. Now, I hope that you realize the wonderful opportunity that it is to be a man or a woman here on this earth. God made us in his image. That's pretty spectacular when you think about it. God made us in his image. And when he created us, he formed man out of the dust of the earth, and then he breathed into man the breath of life. Jesus came to this earth, and rather than taking on him the form of an angel, that would have been a real step down because he was already God, he decided he would take upon him the form of a man. Angels are not made in the image of God. They are spirit beings who have neither... Uh, uh, gender nor sex, and so uh, they are there at the behest of God to serve God. And then we have man that's made in the image of God. And God said, I want to bring salvation to man, and I, I can't do that through being an angel. I must become a man myself. 
I must come and I must be tempted and I must be that spotless lamb of God. And so I have to step past being an angel and step below an angel and become a man and be in the image of man myself. Why? Because he had to suffer death. Our salvation could only be purchased with Jesus dying in our stead. It's the only way we could be saved. Man will never live a life good enough. We'll never be rich enough to buy our way into heaven. We'll never be good enough to deserve our way into heaven. We'll never be handsome enough or pretty enough to, to be able some some weird scale to get ourselves into heaven. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so he came, he was made lower than the angels, and he suffered death. Now, I want us to remember the death that Jesus died, okay? He didn't come and just say, okay, uh, Jesus died, that was it, let's move on. I hope we never forget, personally, I never want to forget the price that was paid for my salvation. This is not some cheap thing that, you know, we go and look at the, the clearance aisle at Walmart and I go, oh, hey, look, they've got salvation on sale today. Now, that's pretty reasonable. I'm going to just buy me some of this cheap salvation. No, 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 no. The price for salvation was far above any value that man could place on it. And the fact that Jesus Christ came himself and died in our stead. So the first thing, when we think about the death that Christ died, we must realize he left the glory of heaven to come to this earth. Can you imagine the step down that was? I mean, you're in heaven. Have you read about heaven? If not, you need to go to Revelation 22 and do a little reading about heaven. It's going to be a wonderful place. Streets of gold. How would you like to have, you know, like the city of Shawnee come by your house tomorrow and just begin to, like, overlay your street in gold? Well, in heaven, it's already there. And they've got a mansion. And man, if you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you have a mansion. Now, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I don't fully understand what that's like, but I got one. I'm not giving it back. I'm going to keep it, amen. I also got a new name. I probably can't pronounce it. I have a hard enough time pronouncing my name, but in heaven I'll pronounce it. I just kind of imagine that God is such a great God that everybody has a individual name. So like there's not like a, a bunch of Kevins up there. Whatever my name is, I'll probably be the only one, which fits me just fine. I kind of like being the only one. And so God's given us a name through salvation. He stepped down. He stepped to the uh, lowliness of man. He came to this earth that he might live. And so then he lived 33 years here as a man. He didn't invoke his godship. The whole time he was here, he held that at bay. And so he came, and he was tempted, and he was tested. You remember when he begins his earthly ministry, he turns the water into wine, and after he turns the water into wine, then he is led of the devil for the time of temptation, 40 days in the wilderness, and he walks through that as man, as man, fasting. Anybody want to go on a 40-day fast? It's bad enough just doing a couple of days, you know? And part of this weight loss journey I went on, I did a couple of days at a time. I can't imagine doing 40 days, 40 days straight. 
And he went on this fast, and, and there he was being tempted of the devil. And the whole time, the, devil's, you know, the devil says, hey, if you'll fall down and worship me, now could you imagine what a step down that would have been for the Son of God to bow down to the devil and to worship him? But that's what, this temptation was great. And here he was, hungering, and here he was uh, in, the, in this trial and in this temptation, and the devil comes and tempts him these three times. And the whole time he passes and passes and passes. Then he comes to that fateful time where it's the Passover. And there he meets with his disciples in the upper room. And disciples are bickering about this kingdom to come and who's going to sit on the right hand, who's going to sit on the left hand, who's going to rule and reign with him, and what's the position going to be? And Jesus goes, guys, you bunch of knuckleheads. You don't even get it. It's not about that. He's dealing with the pressure then of mankind and how they want to be lifted up and how they want to be exalted. And the whole time he's trying to relay to them spiritual truth that I must lay down my life and I'm going to give my life. And sure enough, he goes to the garden. And while he's there, the great weight of all that's going to happen is on him. And the Bible records that he sweats, as it were, great drops of blood from intense pressure as he's praying. God, if it would be your will, let this cup pass from me. You say, preacher, is that, the, is that showing his weakness? I think it shows his humanity. Who would willingly want to go and lay down their life on a cross? But it's much more than that. Remember, because as he's on the cross, the weight of the sin of all mankind is placed upon him. This is not an ordinary crucifixion. This crucifixion will include the, the weight of all man's sin upon him. And he prays and he sweats these great drops of blood. God, if you'll let this pass from me. Then man in his cruelty, they begin to conduct these trials and they bring him, and they try him, and one says, well, you know, I think what if, if I will take and scourge him, that that would appease the people. If I'll take and scourge him, that will atone, and the people will be less likely to want him to be crucified, and so they take our Savior out, and they whip him with a cat of nine tails. Cat of nine tails, leather thong that had bones and pieces of glass, sharp things embedded in it, and as they would bring that whip down on his back, they would then whip it back. And these guys were accustomed uh, to belaying the flesh right off the body. By the time they're through beating him, is very unrecognizable. That's not the end of it, by the way. They form a crown out of thorns, and they mash it down on his head, and they take a rod and they beat him and they punch him in the face and they pluck his beard off. And they take him to the place of execution, making him carry his own, his own cross as he walks down the roadway. He is so weak that he stumbles and falls and another must carry that cross. They bring him to the place of execution. They lay him down and they take those nails and they drive them in his hands and in his feet. Well, by the way, 
Jesus wasn't crucified with some nice little robe on his body. He was crucified naked. It was all about shame and suffering. And they dropped that cross into the ground. They record for us that one of the, one of the big problems being crucified was asphyxiation. Because the arms are pulled up and the feet are down and, and the body kind of lunches down like this and At one point, he would need breath, and he'd have to push off of that nail with his feet and gasp for a breath of air and fall back down. His father has to turn his back, having never been separated from his son. He was there at his baptism, watching his son. He was there the night his son was born. Now at the time of crucifixion, when the sin of mankind is placed upon him, his own father turns. Darkness covers the earth. And Jesus dies. Oh, no, no. Don't ever take for granted the price that was paid that you might have a home in heaven. Never. And I'm just telling you, my, my graphic description fails in comparison of what it had been like to watch it. And what he endured. I don't think man can adequately adequately explain what it was truly like. So whatever the worst thing you can think of as you think of that, just magnify it ten times. He goes to the cross and he hangs and he dies. Not only is he dead, they push the spear in. Blood and water flows out. They pull that mangled body down and they place it in a tomb. They seal the door. I personally think on the spiritual realm, the negative spiritual realm, the fourth level if you would, that the demon and his angels rejoice. We won! I think there probably hadn't been such rejoicing since the time in the garden. When Adam and Eve, in a perfect environment, chose to sin against God. And I think then Satan rejoiced. Oh, look, God's perfect man, look at him, he failed the test. Jesus crucified, Jesus' body is dead. There it lays in that tomb for three days and three nights. Let's not forget that. Three days and three nights in the tomb But then came Sunday. Then came Sunday. The rejoicing was over. Where did he go? How did he do that? How how was that accomplished? Where is Jesus? Where's the body of the one that was laid in this tomb? Where is he gone? Up from the grave he arose with a triumph for his foes. Man, he arose victorious. And we can then relish in that. He arose victorious, and one day when I die, I will rise victorious to live with him forever. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He is risen, he's alive. So he suffers and he dies for our sins. They brought him and mocked him and And did all these horrible things, and they thought they had won, only to find out that they had lost. Verse 10, 
Oh, by the way, Revelation 1.18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Oh, and have the keys of hell and of death. I can't wait for that day when Satan's thrown into the lake of fire. Hallelujah, what a day that's going to be. When hell is cast into the lake of fire, hallelujah, what a day that's going to be. When the keys of death and hell are cast into the lake of fire, what a day that's going to be. Second thing we see is that it became him. Hebrews 2.10 says, For it became him of whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Through all this suffering, we, we read and we find out that the suffering was necessary because Jesus, to be the perfect sacrifice, had to endure all the areas of trying and testing that we face as humans, and he had to pass them to be the ultimate sacrifice. We... Uh, we have a football team in Kansas City. Couldn't have told that about eight years ago. But we've got a football team in Kansas City. And it's kind of an exciting time to finally be a chief, isn't it, huh? It's an exciting thing. And we, we, we tend to think of, uh, here we are, we have this team, we have this recognition, uh, it's acknowledged. And people go crazy over that. Crazy. I was reading uh, an article this last week, and I asked my wife, I said, Honey, can I go to the Super Bowl? She said, Sure. I said, Well, great, because the starting ticket price is $7,500. One ticket, $7,500. I got to get there, I got to eat. Guess who's not going to the Super Bowl? I'm not like, you know, well, yeah. Going to stay. When I think about the fact that that's a temporal enjoyment, people are going to go, one team's going to win, one team's going to lose, one, team, one, one group, one city, going to have great joy, the other's going to have some angst about them for about a year. When I think about all that, I think about the fact that with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, my joy never goes away. Uh, it is sealed forever. Forever. I'm a winner forever. Jesus went and Jesus suffered and Jesus died in my place that heaven might be my eternal home and I have such great joy and peace because of what he has done for me. This temporary stuff, these temporary things will all be past. But we have that that lasts. Then in um, verse 10, we read the final part. It says, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. It's kind of interesting as he's leading up to that there. He says, for whom are all things and by whom are all things. That kind of bothered me the way it was worded. So I went and found uh, this in the Benson Commentary. So I guess Brother James wrote this. It says, For it became him 
It was suitable to all his attributes, especially to his justice and mercy, his holiness and goodness, his wisdom and truth. For whom, as their ultimate end, and by whom, as their first cause, are all things in bringing many sons unto the glory, namely believers called God's sons. I'm glad to be called a son of God. Amen. Romans 11:36 says, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. John 1, verse number 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. In Romans 8, 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The whole idea of God's suffering was to fulfill the suffering that, that we would have had to fulfill, to, to prove our worthiness, to die for our sins, that we might pay the debt that we owed, but yet He did it on, on our behalf. He did it because He is worthy to do it, and that makes Him the captain of of salvation, the captain of salvation. Hebrews 5.8 says, though, we, we, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. I've met individuals and visited with them and <clears throat> talked with them about being saved. And they say, well, that's your idea of how to be saved. I tell them, you know, the Bible plan, you've got to admit that you're a sinner, you need to recognize that Jesus loves you and he died for you, and then you need to accept this free gift of salvation. And they go, well, that's your idea of salvation. But the truth of the matter is, no, it's not. It's his plan of salvation. He suffered and he died. And he decided what salvation would look like. I can have my idea, but Jim, it won't hold any water. It won't get me any closer to the door than if I'd never been saved, uh, claimed that I was saved at all. I can have my idea. I can, I can go, you know, I like this about the plan of salvation. I like that about the plan of salvation. But I want to change this last part right here. Because I think God needs to really realize who he's getting and what he's getting. And so I'm going to change that, kind of emphasize me a little bit right there. And, you know, probably get a better seating when it comes to heaven. I'll just change this just a little bit so that maybe I'm elevated a little more. And God really recognizes what he's getting. No, you need to recognize what you're going to get. That is, you're not going to get heaven. Because he suffered and he died, therefore... Because of his obedience unto God, salvation is of him. And for us to experience that same salvation, we then need to be obedient unto him. In other words, if he says, I've got to acknowledge my sin, I've got to acknowledge my sin. By the way, I have no problem doing that. I've lived in this body long enough. It doesn't take me long to realize I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. I'm a sinner. I have no problem with that. I recognize there's a payment for sin. There's death. It's not uh, just a physical death that we will probably all die unless Jesus comes. 
but it's a spiritual death, an eternal separation from God. This is what I get for having never accepted God as my Savior, for being the sinner that I am. My payment will be eternal separation from God. But then I'm so thankful for Romans 5.8. But God commendeth his love toward us. And through the obedience, if I will recognize that Jesus loved me and he died for me, and if I'll follow his plan in Romans 10, 9, 10, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That pretty much sums it up right there. If I will do those things, thou shalt be saved. What, you mean I don't need to be baptized? Nope. You mean I don't need to sing in the choir? Nope. You mean I don't need to give a million dollars? Nope, but we'll take it. It's His work. And we need to be obedient to Him. But you don't understand, preacher. You know, I've got all this influence. I could, I could, do, I could do this. Does God really? Oh, yeah, God knows. There's been plenty of people like that through the years. He just wants you to come, and I love this, in simple, childlike faith. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity. I've, I've witnessed to some people, and they overthink everything. You know? When, when I'm dealing with people like that, I'm thinking to myself, boy, I'm glad I haven't asked them which restaurant we want to eat at. I don't know how it is in, in your relationship, but a lot of times that's one of the toughest decisions we face. Where would you like to eat? I don't care. Where would you like to eat? Well, how about we eat here? Well, I, I was really thinking. Then just tell me, dear. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the captain of our salvation. He is the leader. He is the one leading the way. He is the one that says, all those who come unto me, whosoever shall call upon me, shall be saved. Hallelujah. We'll never take salvation to the wrong address. We'll never tell the wrong person. The salvation is for all mankind, for all to be saved. In Acts 5, 31, we read, Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. In Hebrews 12, 2, says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand, of the throne of God. I close with this thought from a guy named T.L. Kohler. He wrote, A captain worth a whole brigade. Our leader inspires confidence. He has never been defeated. Mark you, I how he conquered the weakness of humanity, pride, self-seeking, a variance, which is an inordinate desire of gaining and possessing wealth, covetousness, greediness, our insatiability, our insatiable desire of gain, and resentment. How he conquered the tempter on the mount. How he conquered death and the powers of hell. We know whom we trust and that he will lead us to victory. And one of the Napoleonic battles on the peninsula a corps of 
British troops were solely pressed and began to waver. Just then the Duke of Wellington rode in among them. A veteran soldier cried out, Here comes the Duke, God bless him. The sight of him is worth a whole brigade. So to the equipped warrior, under the ensign of the cross, a sight of Jesus our leader is a new aspiration. He who is for us is mightier than all that might be against us. Jesus is able to assure the victory to every redeemed soul who is loyal to him. Hallelujah. He's my captain. Is he your captain? You're not going to get to heaven doing it your own way. You're only going to get there by being obedient to the plan that Jesus has laid out through his death, burial, and resurrection. He is the only way to heaven. Lord Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for this time together this morning. Jesus, I just want to praise you for being the captain of salvation. Thank you for being the one who was willing to be made lower than the angels, to come to this earth, to live for 30 years as a man, and in the last three years of your life, to have ministry among mankind, to be tempted and, and tried in every area, and yet there was no want found in you, for you were perfect. You're described as the sinless, perfect Lamb of God. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you that you were willing to come and be obedient unto the Father and to go and, and to face all those, those issues and those trials and those problems and the beatings and the mockings and the ridicule. And God, you did it all for us that salvation might be ours. Lord, if there be one here today that they're relying upon maybe church membership or baptism or some other off-the-wall thing, God, I pray that today they'd realize salvation can only be had by being obedient to the plan that you have made. You are our leader. You are our captain. God, we submit to that plan. We want you to have your will done in our lives. We want to know that heaven's our eternal home. Lord, there be any doubts here today, I pray that we might have an opportunity to share the good news of Christ, that they might be able to make those things right, that they might know for sure heaven's their eternal home. Thank you for this time together today. We love you, and we ask these things in your wonderful, most precious name. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Have a moment of invitation. Going to sing just as I am. God's spoken to your heart. The altar's open. I encourage you to come. Whatever your need is, Brother Foster is going to lead us. Just as I am without one plea,
unsure of your salvation, the day is the day. Take care. We don't know what a day holds. This could be the last opportunity you ever get to hear. Please don't step through eternity's door not knowing you're ready to go. A few things from the bulletins we dismiss. Uh, couples retreats coming up. Ladies meeting on February 23rd. Missions conference March 1st through the 5th. <clears throat> a youth rally for the teens on March the 17th. Man camp coming up 24th through 25th. As such, remember to, to pray for these over in the prayer needs. Paul Medlin uh, is in the hospital with COVID. I see Miss Mandy there in the back. She broke her foot, so pray for her. Don't step on it when you go back there, okay? Um, <clears throat> pray for Mrs. Reichelt. She's been really sick. The Crotts, uh, uh, Richard and Leslie have the flu, and uh, so pray for them and get over that. They were supposed to be in El Paso today, uh, but had a very understanding pastor. Didn't want that junk brought to his church, so they stayed at home recuperating. Pray they can get well and get back on the road. And uh, we want to pray for them to raise their support. They're at about 50% right now, and so uh, we need to pray. They w would like to be out here in November. Uh, and so, you know, God's going to have to really work uh, on their behalf, but he can do that, right? He's a great and awesome God. We trust him, and uh, he'll do a great and awesome thing for them. So let's pray for them and encourage them in their walk with the Lord. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. God bless you for being here. It's good to have Brother Jared here. I think he came home because dad turned a year older. Is that right? So Brother Foster is celebrating a birthday today. It's good to have Jared here. Would you lead us in a word of prayer, Jared? Live like we are saved. Love you. Much for today. Back safely. And Lord bless you.